You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 29 of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and I'm joined by the one, the only, Mindy Carney. Hello! We're back. We're back, yes. We're back. Summer vacation, relaxed, rejuvenated, ready to go again. Yeah, back to work. Yeah, back to work is right. Did you have a good summer? I did. It went so fast. How about you? Yeah, it went fast. Yep, absolutely. You made a trip back to the homeland. Went back to the motherland, yes. Uh, My sister got married this summer, so I was back in Scotland and England as well, actually. So, um, And I came back. And started work the very next day, so I had no yeah. no break afterwards. But it's just the way yeah. the dates fell and everything. But yeah, we had a good time. I'm sure all of the um, listeners are wondering if you wore a kilt while you were there. I did wear a kilt when I was there. Yeah, mm. official wedding garb. Official wedding garb. Yes, awesome. It's, kilts are not something that you wear just to like go and get your groceries and things like no. that. Generally not, although some people will, but they're more rare than you would imagine, perhaps. But uh, yes, formal occasions, kilts are de rigueur. Can we put a picture of you and your kilt on in the um, show notes? Or I will see what I can find. Oh, okay. Thanks for playing. All right. All right. So should we get started? We probably should, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, should we talk a little bit about updates over the summer? Some new things that came up? Yeah, there's some new things that have, uh, we've tried to take note of here and there, and we've got a short list. Well, actually, the short list got longer. It <laughs> the did, more we, yeah. Uh, the more we planned on it. But uh, yeah, a few updates and things from the summer. Yeah, um, I'll start. So uh, Seesaw made some big updates over the summer. Um, kind of has a new look and a new feel to it. Still all of the same functionalities. Um, they did add... Uh, the ability to send an announcement to students and to parents, which is um, kind of exciting. I think a lot of teachers were asking for that um, so that they could, I think a lot of teachers were using Seesaw and Remind and having the ability to send out announcements, maybe um, replaced Remind for them so that it really is a one-stop shop now. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of teachers are excited about that. Yeah. And another uh, update that I think is important for teachers to know is that the parent app for Seesaw has now updated as well and will be the family Seesaw app. Um, You do not, it's not a new app, but it is updated and will look a little bit different to parents. Um, And it gives them a little bit more of an organized feed, I think. So they can look up to 30 days in their feed, kind of like a Facebook feed for their student. Um, Any feeds or any posts older than that will be organized a little bit differently. So um, on the parent end, it looks different too. So if you're a Seesaw user and have parents using it and have used it in the past, that's a good thing to bring up, I think, like in your open house night or something like that. So is it still called Seesaw? parents or is it Seesaw no, Family? No, it's called Seesaw Family. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Always, There's always new things coming out of the Seesaw Studios, isn't yes. there? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm the official spokesperson. 
Well, speaking of studio, um, yeah. I saw a oh, post. Oh, good transition. Do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I saw a post today from uh, Kahoot. It was on the Ed Surge website. And Kahoot are opening this new uh, feature called Kahoot Studio. And it is uh, a way that they are going to try and curate a bunch of uh, pre-made um, kind of like quizzes and activities for teachers to use in the classroom. And if you've used Kahoot before, you probably know there's a whole bunch of, you know, games and quizzes out there already. Right. But um, these studio content, they say, will be created with uh, some oversight from the Kahoot staff, uh, teacher advisory team, and somewhat mysteriously, an undisclosed third-party company is what it says here. So <laughs> right now you could publish your quiz and make it public and anybody could play it. But um, these are going to be a mo- bit more specific. They're going to try and tie it a little bit more to um, curriculum standards and things like that. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the line you, you start to see um, a monetary aspect to this because uh, right. up until now, Kahoot has been free and people have been taking advantage of that, but um, you can't pay the bills with uh, with nothing. So I think this is the start, perhaps, of their revenue model. Um and we'll we'll link to this uh, post in the in the show notes and let you know more about it. But the other thing they're trying to do to help raise some revenue is they've got like a Kahoot for enterprise for businesses. Really? Huh. Yeah. So they're going to try and uh, make some money that way. Their focus is with schools and uh, you know formative assessment and things like that. But um, yeah, there is a, a business version too. Interesting. I didn't know that. Hmm. So Kahoot Studio. Take a look out for it. Um, I don't think there's any content available right now. I think they've just opened it up as in if you're interested in partnering with us and you would like to create some content uh, for teachers, then let us know and sign up and we'll talk. I know. I'm interested to go in there. I um, I guess I told you this earlier today. I haven't been in there for a while, so it'll be good to go back in and take a look around again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when Kahoot first came out, it was... It was everywhere and everybody was using Kahoot, but, uh, you know, there's always that honeymoon period when uh, things start to die down a bit and you don't use it as much or you're using other things. So, yeah, we should right. take another look. Right. Well, and what about, um, so there's a new iOS 11 coming out. Yeah, iOS 11 is coming out for yeah. iPads and iPhones. There's lots of, like, beta versions out now, but um, Apple just announced, yeah. oh, I think it was, like, yesterday as we record that, September 12th is going to be the new iPhone announcement day. Yeah. And uh, they usually release the next version of iOS software about a week later. So oh, somewhere okay. around the 18th, 19th September, um, there will be an update dropping into a lot of your iPads if you have iPads at school. And if you're an iPhone user, then uh, you'll have that too. But there's a lot of new stuff for iPads. Have you seen any of the new stuff? Mindy? Well, um, the one thing that I, you know, when we did our iPad challenge um, last year, one of the things that I found with my workflow that was so tricky is not being able to drag and drop. And the new iOS 11 will allow you to do that. Is that correct? Yes, it does. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. one That one week iPad challenge we did way back when. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. We're both like, ah. Yeah, but I think the drag and drop, um, that's kind of, that's, I'm really excited about that. I think that'll really increase the, you know, your productivity on your iPad. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see what that looks like and how it works. 
So you'll be able to like split apps in two, like you can now, but you can drag and drop things in between apps. So you could drag a photo into like an email or you could drag a website into notes or, or into Google Docs or, or different things like that. So drag and drop is, is going to be fun. There was a new dock for the iPad. And if you yeah. have a 9.7 inch iPad, you can have up to 13 apps and or folders on the dock. That's um, a lot. That's quite a lot, yeah. Yeah, so it is. <laughs> it's six right now, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Six. So yeah. we're up to thirteen. Yeah. And the dock can the dock will you can summon and make it appear during uh, when you're in an app. So instead of going back to the home screen to find the dock, so it could yeah. be a quick way to switch between apps as well. Hmm. Cool. Uh, there's going to be a new files app. Um, that could be like a one-stop place to uh, keep all your documents. Um, Kind of like, I mean, I like Documents by Riadal. It does this, but it will let you link your Dropbox account, your Google Drive account, your Microsoft account, so that you can find all your files in one place. And I think that's going to tie in well with the drag and drop thing because you could have your files open on one side and go look for your Google Drive file and drag it over. And then if it's in Dropbox, you can take it out of Dropbox. So um, we can finally get to see the file system inside an iPad. What about the screen recording? Screen recording will be yeah, really good. good that's I think. huge too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this was something that Apple kind of sneakily kept to themselves uh, for the Swift Playgrounds app. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you could record your screen inside of Swift Playgrounds. Oh, and I didn't know that. Yeah, you could do some code and run it and record your screen inside of that. But Apple didn't allow any other app developers to use that. But Come iOS 11, you'll be able to record your entire screen, your home screen, in and out mm-hmm. of apps. So if you're doing demonstrations for students or for other teachers right. or students are doing demonstrations for you, yeah. then uh, they can record their screen and it will save as a movie uh, straight back into your camera roll. Did you say this? How So will it be another app or will it just be like within the camera or do you know? Yeah. So this is something you can turn on in your control center, oh, which okay. also is going to look new. Uh, the control center in iOS 11, you'll be able to customize. So you can choose what oh. buttons appear there. Uh-huh. So if there's some that you don't like or don't use very often, you'll be able to turn them off. And screen recording is one you can turn on. So you just go to your control center, tap the screen recording button, and you're there. Okay, and the last one I'll say from iOS 11, I mean, there's lots of stuff on here. We'll, we'll, yeah. link, we'll link to a blog post I thought was particularly useful on this uh, topic. <laughs> you um, mean your own blog post? <laughs> Sure, we'll link to that one. Why not? Um, one of the other things I like is that um, there's a QR scanner in the camera app. So if you do things yeah. with QR codes, things like Seesaw maybe. Um, and Seesaw already does this. It already has a built-in QR scanner. Well, yeah, but if you're doing like QR scavenger hunts or um, you've got QR codes on the walls to, to link to other things, then uh, you do not need a separate app anymore because right. uh, you just fire up the camera app and it will scan a QR code for you. So Yeah, it's that's, nice. That's useful. Yeah, it is useful. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, what else? Oh, Osmo came out with – well, let me take you back. Do you remember when I was a beta tester for the new Osmo? Um, well, I couldn't even talk about it. Do you remember? It was like super secret, but we kind of mentioned it. Yeah, you had to sign yeah. a non-disclosure agreement. I did. So you weren't allowed I to did. talk about what you were testing. Uh-huh. It was kind of a secret. You were like a parent and you weren't as a, like yeah. an educator beta test. You right. were like a parent. Right. I went in as a parent. Yeah. 
So um, what came out was a new iPhone base for the Osmo. Um, and we have a picture of one as long as, and I told you this too, I'm not sure if it, the model changed at all, but, um, I have one, we have one at work now. Uh, so it kind of holds your iPhone at this weird position so that it's able to, um, scan all of the letters and numbers or whatever it is that you're using. Um, so yeah, that's out now. I wondered if you, I mean, I don't know if anybody uses iPod touches anymore, but if you could use it with an iPod touch, maybe one of the newer ones. Yeah, I suppose you could, because um, it has a it had a special spacer, and like I said, if the model is the same as you know what actually came out, the beta one, um, it had spacers in it. So depending on what phone you used, um, you put in a different spacer, you know, so it would hold hold your phone. So okay, so here's the other thing I thought about the um, the iPhone base for yeah. the Osmo, and that's that yeah. obviously not everybody has um, an iPad at home. But I think right. there's an increasing number of parents that are donating their old smartphones to their kids sure. to use for, sure. you know, like yep. Wi-Fi devices. So yep. they could, you know, for the low price of I don't know, it was like $30 or something, yeah. yep. they can, um, you know, have Osmo type features available um, for their kids at home without buying yeah. an iPad. Yeah. So that's probably another reason why they decided to build this thing. Yeah, for sure. I guess one of the things I would have probably liked to see with it was like smaller tiles to make it more of a travel Osmo mm. or like magnetic tiles. So you could, you know, do it in the car, like on a road trip or something like that and keep all the tiles in a spot. So that's what I would have really liked to see. But I don't think anything like that came out. So, um, okay. yeah. Like, tra- like, like travel yeah. scrabble or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, that they yeah. could just do it in their little seat. But Maybe that's to come yet. Who knows? All right. Next on our list is a PSA. I don't remember if we told people oh, about this or not, Mindy. Either. But yeah. um, um, if you have not already heard, and this happened over the summer, the YouTube video editor is is being retired by YouTube on September twentieth. Yeah. So I think a lot of people who use Chromebooks or even Macs and PCs yeah. like that they had an online video editor that they could uh, use with students? Well, so it's disappointing that the YouTube editor, video editor is going away because it's used by so many people, especially, you know, in education. So some other options for YouTube, like online editing, WeVideo, iMovie. What else you got? Yeah, well, so I'm going to link to a post from Richard Byrne. I mean, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. WeVideo is really one of the few online ones. I mean, Adobe Spark yeah. is available. Yeah. It's not really a video editor per se, but you can join some videos together and do some text and audio over the top of them if that's what you need. But uh, iMovie for Mac and iOS, definitely. Um, So, yeah, I'll I'll let you take a look at that blog post and see. I mean, there's not really a great like for like uh, replacement, unfortunately. But yeah, online, right. It's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. There's no going back now. It's good news for Wii Video, I bet. Yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of YouTube, though, it's got a whole new look that what came out yesterday, right? Yeah, that launched um, this month for sure. Um, and it, they've got a new logo and yeah. uh, a new look. So, if you haven't been to YouTube recently and you do end up venturing there, you will see some some new stuff going on there. There's a weird kind of transition between some of the old and some of the new stuff. Um, Amber and I teach a YouTube class. and Right. 
almost like clockwork. Every time we schedule the class, just like about <laughs> two weeks before the class starts, YouTube will change something and we have to go back and redo all our screenshots and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so they are true to form this year. Um, but uh, some of, there's some new things that I think are kind of interesting that are coming, especially on like the mobile apps, because um, as you'll know, you know, when you see things and people record things on their phones these days, sometimes the yep. video is like, tall and skinny yes. or sometimes it's square and what they've said they're going to do is they're going to adapt the video player so that it matches the format of the video huh so if it's a vertical video you won't see black bars on the side it will just fill your whole screen being a vertical video yeah and uh that's interesting yeah so maybe they're just uh Trying to trying to please everybody with uh, that kind of deal too, but um, yeah, not really too much on the side that's new. It's just more yeah. kind of updating the look to make it look like the rest of the the Google apps and stuff on there. Yeah, I think in the app too. I don't use the YouTube app hardly ever. Um, but so did I read too something like you can now um, slide into a new video or slide back to a video that you had been watching. Yeah, you're right. That's, yeah. you know, slide straight onto the next recommendation um, on things like double tap to go forward, right. back, forward and back 10 seconds and stuff like that too. So, yeah. Yeah. It's great for when the you, the iPad's babysitting your kids, right? Like <laughs> kids are like, next video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, kids, just put YouTube on. You're going to be fine. <laughs> at my house. That's how it is at my house. All right. What's the last one on the list here? Oh, yeah. Season three of Think, Make, Innovate. Launching today with a new Sphero Golf episode. Yeah. So we've had Amber and Jason on uh, on the podcast in the past talking about the uh, Makerspace show they do on YouTube. So I just thought I'd put a quick plug in for those guys yeah. because um, they're breaking out season three today with uh, the Spheros. So... We'll put a link to that in if you're interested and you have access to some Spheros. They have a nice challenge around uh, creating a mini golf course for Spheros. That's fun. Mm -hmm. um, and you and Amber just had an awesome blog post that got a lot of traction on Twitter. Yeah, I think uh, it was a fun one to write. We wrote yeah, um, yeah. a guide to using GIFs in the classroom. Yeah. A giftastic guide. A giftastic guide. Yeah, so we came up with some idea. It was Amber's idea, but we kind of co-wrote it together and thought about different ways that you could use GIFs slash GIFs in the classroom. Oh, boy. We're not cracking out that We're not going to talk again, about that today. Mm -mm, I don't think so. I think we've been there, done that. I think we have. But we talk about it in the blog post if you're interested. So, oh, GIF yeah, or GIF. Yeah. Well, I'll link it to the show notes so everybody can uh, take a look at it. Sounds good. Okay. All right, so on to the main course today, Serve to You Piping Hot. We're going to be discussing what does good technology integration look like? Yeah, I think this is a good one to start off the year with because we're back to school, fresh school year. It's a time that you can start to think about, you know, making some changes for the ongoing year. And yeah. this is something I talked a little bit about at uh, the recent... Um, Iowa one-to-one -one conference. So we thought we'd uh, highlight some of those points and jump into what we think, or as a team, this is a lot of the views we have as a team, really, on things that are working well when teachers are using technology in the classroom and 
this isn't these aren't the only things these aren't necessarily the you know the silver bullets that you're looking for but um we think there's a there's a good collection here of ideas that are definitely well worth considering yeah so i think um you know one of your points in that presentation is just about how technology should be used as a tool to enhance teaching and learning um I think when teachers maybe first begin using technology in their classroom, it becomes a substitution tool, you know, so they're, they're taking what they're already doing in their classroom and just doing it with technology instead, which Mm -hmm. is fine because it's, it's a first step, you know, everybody has to start somewhere. Um, But I think, you know, the, the pie in the sky is definitely to start changing what you're doing with students and what students are doing with what they're learning. And uh, that's, and that's a big shift from substitution to that, and it takes a lot of steps to get there. Yeah, our uh, friend of the show, Mr. Josh Allen, he has on his uh, Twitter profile that if technology is an event in your school, then you're doing it wrong. And uh, it it takes me back to, you know, when I first started teaching and uh, we would do technology. I would line up yeah. all the kids. We'd go to the technology lab. We'd go to the computer lab, and we'd all sit there, and we'd learn technology. But uh much more about, you know, we're trying to integrate it where, you know, it's just becoming seamless. We don't talk about how we use pencils in the classroom, but, you know, we're still trying to have conversations about how we're using technology in the classroom. And it's just a way to help facilitate, you know, the learning to make it more efficient, to make it more interactive, to make it more fun. So, yeah, that's one of the things we we like to talk about. I think one of the struggles, though, about using technology in your classroom is you might know where you're at, but it's hard to know where the next step is. And there are quite a few frameworks out there that you can check out to kind of keep you moving forward. Um, Probably one of the most popular that we see is the SAMR model. Um, If you're not familiar with the SAMR model, the S stands for substitution. S stands for substitution, which I had mentioned before, and then the A in SAMR is augmentation. So there's a little bit of a change, and you're still kind of moving forward, hopefully to modification, which is um, you know a, a much bigger change in your uh, integration. And then finally, the R is redefinition, where technology is really doing things that were kind of unimaginable before technology was in the classroom. Yeah, definitely. It's a popular one. I mean, I came across one that I'd never seen before, and it was the RAT framework, which is kind of a a simplified SAMR, where you just have replacement, amplification, and transformation. And in some ways, as you know, I said, you're either doing what you were doing before with without technology or you're doing right. it a little bit better or you're doing transformational stuff and right. in some ways I think the only problem I have with SAMR sometimes is like well is that augmentation or is that modification yeah, or like where is that in that line and you get right. into those kind of conversations and that's like a waste of time you don't really want yeah. to be having those kind of conversations you just want to um, you know is this a direct substitution is it better than what I was doing before or I may transform in learning so yeah yeah, I mean there's a bunch of those frameworks around like you say like TPAC and the technology integration matrix but we'll put some links to those in the show and we can uh, you can check those out later yeah I think the thing with SAMR too is like it's not a ladder to climb Mm -hmm. Um, I think Gina and I have talked about this before too we're like it's more like the depth of a pool so S is a 
you know, in the shallower end. And as you get deeper and um, you have more integration, you start to see the possibilities. But you, you don't always swim in the deep end, but you definitely don't always stay in the shallow end either. And it's about kind of moving back and forth and doing what's best for kids. So um, just kind of a different way to think about it, I think. Mm-hmm. Next point I had here was that uh, technology is integrated well when uh, you modify your instruction to meet uh, some of these uh, digital age learners, I, I guess I would call them. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, the way you teach in the classroom, anybody who teaches in a one-to-one classroom will know this, but or has you know some kind of tech-rich environment, the way that you teach in a classroom pro- should or will be you know modified somehow because of the technology. Um, your classroom management will change. Maybe just the layout of your classroom will change. And you'll have to have new uh, procedures and, and ways of doing things. So, you know, just being able to be flexible and able to, to flex mm-hmm. and, and meet the needs of, of working with technology is is important. Yeah, I know when I was teaching, I always felt like technology kind of gave me an extra set of hands. So I could share content with kids um, without actually sitting, you know, at my reading table with them all the time. And I think having it accessible to all students, um, you know, students that have you know, listening disabilities or that have um, a hard time holding a pencil. I mean, it. it's not only about how you're teaching, but it's also making those things accessible to, you know, students that might have challenges in the classroom. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we've had some of our AT people on the podcast before talking about things like that. And the difference that it can make is, is you know, it's night and day with some of that stuff. So, yeah, it really helps uh, meet the needs of all learners, I think. Yeah. So the other thing I think that is really important with um, using technology in your classroom is willing to take the risk. And I know, um, and I probably said this before, I was always someone who just like jumped in head first and didn't, you know, worry about the consequences, which, you know, isn't always great either. Um, but you have to be able to, you know, take risks and, you know, be willing to fail too and, and examine what you're doing and how you can fix it. And if you're not, that's that's a big first step, I think, in integration. Yeah, and that, that doesn't always come naturally to a lot of people. I mean, you and I will, and probably people listening will have worked with people who are like, you know, well, I, I, I was going to click here, but I didn't want to break anything or right, I, sure. I didn't know what would happen. And, you know, um, that's totally natural because people like that have probably been burned in the past by doing something and then it did something completely unexpected. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, we learn from mistakes and, and mm-hmm. things like that. And I think anymore it's, you know, it's, it's hard to do things with technology that's either unrecoverable or, you know, something that is, you know, going to really mess things up too badly because, there's lots of ways to wind the clock back these days and, uh, yeah, right. and do things like that. So We're much luckier. And I think that's where some of that comes in too with, you know, those people that have some inhibition maybe, you know, have dealt, have, you know, have had something like that where they're, you know, they've heard you're going to break it, you know. And yeah. yeah, like you said, there's been so many advances now that there's pretty much a good chance that whatever you've done can be fixed. It's just, you know, it's just a different time now and and things have changed a lot. Yeah, your Google Docs save every second. Yeah, right. Revision history that lets you wind back the different versions of your document and and all that stuff. So, yeah, just uh, 
having that that mindset of uh, that growth mindset of you know I'm going to try it and if it doesn't work it doesn't work all right we'll try yeah, something right. else we'll try something else <laughs> yeah ditch it yeah and that kind of ties in a little bit with you know knowing when to use technology and when not to use technology and um, I think again if you think back to some of those one to one classrooms I think some teachers feel under pressure that. You know, every time the principal walks by, my kids have to be using the technology mm, <laughs> and yeah, things right. like that. But, um, you know, I think if there's, if there's, there's going to be times when it is, um, better not to use the technology or more efficient not to use the technology, or it's just nice to have those hands on kinesthetic experiences with the technology. I mean, you don't want to walk into a, preschool class and see them all painting on iPads because, um, the actual, paint itself is too messy or they didn't want to use anything like that i don't i don't think we need to replace those types of experiences right. those analog experiences we can we can still keep and they're valuable and, and absolutely yeah and i think it's important for us to talk with our students about when it's appropriate too i mean i i think that it's valuable for students to know when it's a good time to use technology to show something or to look something up or to you know, however they want to use it, but also that there are times when it's not appropriate to use it. And maybe it's better just to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone in your classroom. And so not only for teaching, but also for our students to know when to pull that, you know, technology out for its best use. Yeah. And I think even as, as educators now, I mean, I see so many people talking about like unplugging for the weekend and things like yeah. that, because we're just constantly connected. I'll see people on Twitter say, Taking a break from Twitter this weekend. If you're wondering yeah. where I am, I'm just, I'm not going to be around. All right. Cause I just need to unplug and yeah. refresh and, and make a fresh start again. So yeah, I did that all summer. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I didn't go back on Twitter until like, and I still don't have my notifications turned on. So I'm not on it as much either. But yeah, I took like, oh, three months off for Twitter for sure. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's nice not to feel connected all the time. I agree. Yep. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Um, we also said, uh, what do we say? Technology is integrated well when students are using the four C's. Yeah. And, uh, that's something we are doing a lot, I think, especially with some of the classes. We did this, uh, class last year and the year before called the Digital Learning Institute. And we, uh, kind of based it around those, uh, four C's of creativity, critical thinking, communication, and collaboration. So what do you think of that, Mindy? Yeah, you know, um, I, you know, just kind of referencing back to the class, I think it was um, fun for the teachers to be involved in some of those activities um, and using technology to increase creativity. So you had mentioned too about, you know, you necessarily wouldn't want to paint on an iPad in preschool, but a high school student might use paper 53 to create this amazing, you know, drawing that she or he wouldn't be able to do, um, you know, in the time allotted in class or something yeah, like that. And so, sure. um, thinking about uh, some outside of the box things that way too. And, uh, we talked a lot about collaboration and mystery Skypes and blogging and all of those different things that just were never possible before we had, um, you know, technology in our classrooms. So uh, just giving those ideas of things that you can do, because I don't, I don't think it's that teachers don't want to do those things. It's sometimes it's just like, well, how do I do it? Or what tool do I use to get me there? You know, I want to do this, but I just don't know how to get myself there. 
Yeah, and technology can be, you know, it can fall into one of two camps sometimes. You know, you could have a passive use of technology where you're just like consuming things. Then right. You, you could have an active use of technology where you're creating, you're communicating, you're collaborating. And, you know, mm -hmm. those, those forces really lend themselves well to like an active use of technology as opposed yeah. to just watching videos or, or reading articles. And I mean, and that stuff has its place because, you know, we have to do that to research and to keep up and mm -hmm. learn new things. But um, at the same time, you know, if we're not looking at more active use of the technology, then uh, we're really missing out. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of talking about some of those things too and using some of those tools, I think that really helps students um, and teachers to kind of personalize instruction and learning too. And I think we talked a little bit about personalizing instruction, but I think it's important to bring up personalizing learning as well and allowing students to have some choice in what they're learning about. And technology really opens up the door for that. Um, you know, when I was in school and when you were in school, we had to learn what was ever in the book because we didn't have an outlet to anywhere else. I mean, that's the only resource you had was that and a set of encyclopedias and, you know, probably a dictionary. And that's all you had. But now our students are much more free to kind of choose what they want to learn about, choose the manner that they learn in. Um, and providing those choices is, is so important for students to be engaged in our classrooms. Yeah. Um, regular listeners will remember Beth Swantz, who's yeah. uh, been on the podcast. And she always tells this story um, at some of the blended learning uh, sessions that we do with our schools that one of the reasons she wanted to become a teacher was so mm -hmm. that she could control the knowledge at the front of the room. She would have the book with all the answers in it and nobody right. else would know them apart from her. And um, so, I mean, that's just uh, a, a a sign of the times from from right. from when Beth started teaching, right? Um, but you know things are changing, like you said, with with so much access to information at your fingertips, anywhere, anytime. The the teacher is not the guardian of information anymore, right? Right. Because uh, students can go online and find the answers to just about anything in a matter of seconds. So yeah, personalizing that learning and giving students the ability to work at their own pace. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep, and their own paths as well. Mm -hmm. Um, is definitely a focus of, you know, some of the blended learning work we're doing with a lot of our districts right now. Yeah, which also ties into the fact that with, you know, high levels of technology integration, you have to have professional learning. Um, you As administrators, we can't just say, we're going to integrate technology and not support it like crazy. Um, and, you know, hopefully providing some professional learning within um, the hours of the day, but also probably doing some of that too on Twitter or reaching out to, you know, other people and, and doing the best you can to uh, use some of those great tools out there. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of our role, Mindy, that, you know, that's the job we do. We try to help support and provide that professional learning for teachers in a number of different ways. And the podcast is one of those ways that we do that. Right. But uh, yeah. yeah, we'll go out to schools or we'll answer emails and phone calls and, and different stuff like that. But uh, yeah, if you're in the Grantwood area and you're listening to the podcast here, you know, feel free to reach out anytime because um, it's our job to try and help you help and support you. Um, because the thing I always tell teachers is they always ask like, how do you know all this stuff? And I'm like, well, this is what I do, you know, nine right. to five, basically. You guys We're are in the classroom. Learners. Yeah. You don't, you don't have any extra time yeah. and because you've got so many other things you're doing. So, you know, let us do the research for you. Let us right. find it out for you and we'll do the legwork so you don't have to spend any extra time of your day right. doing other stuff. So yeah. yeah, this is what we get paid to do. Yeah. 
All right. So next on the list, mm. we think, oh, this is a this is a good one. This is a good one. So um, technology is integrated well when teachers and technology directors work together. Yeah, I think yeah. sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect sometimes yeah, between those two groups, isn't there? I mean, right. your technology directors don't always have that education background and your sure. educators don't have always have that technology background. Right. And so there's there's that gap in between where we don't always communicate as well as we might, but um mm-hmm. like like you said, you know, when when they work together and they can, you know, have a, a dialogue with each other, yeah. then, then these things do go better for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it can be as simple as like, you know, this I need this website unlocked or I need this app yeah, unlocked sure. and, or yep. whatever. You know, I need access to this or that or mm-hmm. it would be great if I had a, you know, an iPad or a document camera or, or whatever else. And then, you know, if you right. can have those conversations and say, well, why would you need that? Or how does that help? And help me understand how I can help you. And, yeah, and like that's that. a good and, point. Yeah. Yeah. A two-way conversation. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. What was it that uh, our friend Jason Marshall says? Oh, what does Jason Marshall say? I've heard him say it a gazillion times. Technology decisions are education decisions. Isn't that good? It is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a gem from Jason. Yeah. Good job, Jason. I remember the first time I, he actually wrote it in something that we were working on together and I read it and I was like, well, this is, this is great. This is a great little quote you've got here. It's kind of profound. It's powerful. Yeah. yeah, it is. Technology decisions or education decisions. That's so. right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the same thing with stakeholders, right? So it's important for our stakeholders to know why we need the money to purchase iPads. Why is it important in our classrooms? What are our students going to do or what are they doing with them? How is it making it a more powerful learning experience? So, I mean, it's important for us to have that conversation with our IT people, our tech department, but our stakeholders are are fundamental too in supporting that um, high level of integration. Yeah, because I mean, it can be a tough sell sometimes if you are, you know, you're doing a bond issue or something to raise money, and you're you're going to put up the taxis of the people in your yeah. in your local neighborhood so that you can go one to one with something, and they don't understand why that's important or right. or why they should do that. And I think it comes back to a bit more you know transparency and telling your school story kind of selling yourself more to the community and uh, showing them the, the awesome things that that you are doing with technology mm-hmm. now so that they get an idea of uh, the even more awesome things they could do um, yeah, if yeah. you had more technology or, or more access for for the kids so the last one i would say is probably the one of the most important things i think about using technology in the classroom and that's digital citizenship yeah, you just uh, taught a class on this recently, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, 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 I did. Um, and, you know, I think from the feedback from that course, the thing that I believe uh, most of the participants pointed out was like, we had no idea there were so many different elements to digital citizenship. I think a lot of times um, teachers focus most on um, inappropriate use in the classroom. They worry about... Um, probably like the copyright things and stuff like that. And uh, that those are, that's it. You know, that they, 
they feel like those that's taking care of digital citizenship. And there's really so many other aspects to uh, digital citizenship that are important and can sometimes be, I don't know, tough conversations or um, just new information that, that teachers don't even know about. Um, but it's so important for our students to, you know, learn about using secure websites or um, figuring out which news is fake news and, you know, uh, and biased news and what's actually news that we should be reading and things like that. And, and talking about those things is so, so very important as life skills. Yeah. And the, the notion, I think, that um, digital citizenship is everybody's responsibility yes um i think you know there are maybe are some people that think oh the the teacher librarian teaches that yeah, and they do right. that like once a quarter or something and mm-hmm. so i don't have to do that but um there's if you're teaching with some technology in your classroom i'm afraid it is your responsibility as much as anybody else's because right. you have more opportunities to remind the kids of good online behavior or good best practice with using media than than anyone else has. So, um, yeah, definitely it, it's everybody's responsibility. Yeah, it's not just one lesson. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, the important thing is to show how it's applied in the real world and using it in authentic situations. And if we're just teaching it as a lesson, giving the kids a quiz and moving on, it's, you know, it's not going to make any difference. It's about actually using it in real life and living it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that can be, that's an added thing. And I get that. And people, you know, teachers don't want one more thing. I totally understand that, but this is one important more thing. And there are like resources and things out there to help people, aren't they? If they are not sure yeah. like how to do this or how to approach it. I mean, people yeah. like common sense media, yeah. have, like a whole K-12 curriculum around it and things. Yeah. And there's, there's other websites and things that yep. I'm sure Mindy could uh, share with you from a yeah. recent class. That Yep, uh, I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, digital citizenship. Um, digital citizenship. It's like the cornerstone to everything, Mindy. Isn't it is. It, it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So those are a few of our ideas for, uh, you know, good technology integration. Some of the things that, that we hold true for the, the work we do with teachers. If you have ideas on what you think is uh, a good way to te- integrate technology in the classroom that we didn't talk about, then feel free to hit us up on Twitter or email us uh, podcast at gwaea.org. All right, on to my favorite part of the show. It's up Tech Nuggets. Tech Nuggets. Tech Nuggets. Gotta love Tech tech Nuggets. Yes. All right, so do you want to go first or how about me? I think we should be ladies first today. Oh, never been called a lady. Oh, wait. Yes, I have. Just by you. Thanks. There you go. All right, so uh, Class Intercom is my first one to share today. And I don't, um, I can't remember where I came across. Oh, you know what? I know where I came across this. I saw Heather Callahan had posted something or tweeted something about Class Intercom. And it kind of piqued my interest. So I took a look at it. Um, Class Intercom is uh, like a platform of sorts that monitors and um, allows your social, your school social media accounts to all be kind of in one place. And it gives students the capability to use the school's social media accounts, um, kind of in this one place. 
And so it's a great place for students to kind of talk about um, how to promote the school, um, digital citizenship skills, of course, um, and really to kind of uh, hone their, I don't know, marketing skills, I guess. Uh, and then uh, the next steps then are to allow the administrator or whoever is in charge of the account to approve those posts and send them out into social media. So I thought this was kind of a neat way for students to tell their own story because, as you know, if you don't tell the story, someone else will. So uh, it's really great for, I don't know, like alumni and stakeholders to kind of see what students are saying about the school and, and watching them promote uh, the school story. So I thought this was kind of a neat thing to maybe take a look at for some of our schools out there. Yeah, I've seen a lot of buzz about Class Intercom on Twitter recently, particularly from some of those uh, Midwest people, because yeah, right. I think they're based out in Nebraska. Right, um, right. They also have a Class Intercom podcast where they talk to teachers and technology coach uh, people um, about how they're using social media at their school. So, yeah, definitely. I think there's a need for something like this. I think it's something that is uh, very positive and helping to model some of the best behavior we can do when we're posting things online. So. This is a good pick. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, I'm not, I guess I can't talk too much about it, but I think it's a paid service, um, but you can request a demo. So if you're interested in taking a look at it, we'll add a link into the show notes so you can take a look. Glassintercom.com. Right. Yep. All right. So uh, my first pick is called Write uh, the World. And this is something I came across when. Um, a teacher recently uh, approached me and said, hey, we're looking for more online writing opportunities for, for students, uh, particularly more at the secondary level. And uh, so I had to do a little bit of homework on this one because uh, being a fourth grade teacher by trade, these things don't immediately pop into my head. But I came I came across uh, writetheworld.com, which is a free website where teachers can go on and uh, create a writing group, almost like a private writing group for their class, mm -hmm. for them to um, manage their students and, and take them through a, a writing process. You can create prompts and rubrics and add resources for all different types of writing and in different subject areas too. Uh, you can design assessments and assignments. And they can do peer reviews and all that kind of stuff, all within your you know private uh, writing group. Or you can connect to their global platform where they have uh, members from over 80 different countries. So you could collaborate with other people in different places and uh, do some do some writing online there too. Yeah, and they have they have badges. Are you gonna say about the badges? I have not talked about the badges, but yes, they have badges. And Mindy's Mindy likes badges. I do. If you've listened to the podcast before, you may have heard that once or twice. Highly competitive. Yes. Yes, they have badges. Um, they also have things like writing prompts. Um, so if you're looking for some inspiration and you're not sure, you know, you just want some ideas for for your kids to to write on some different things. They have like opinion mm -hmm. things, and they have like journalism competitions and flash fiction and different things like that too. So if you're looking for some more ideas for your, I think it's mainly aimed at secondary, middle, high school uh, age students, then uh, right. writetheworld.com is definitely worth a look. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I saw um, 13 and up, I think is what I think they used in age, but I thought mm -hmm. I saw that somewhere. I don't see it now, but yeah. I like that one. Way to go, Wiley. Thanks, Mindy. 
What else you got? Um, so my last one is uh, Time Toast. And uh, I, you know, we get a lot of requests sometimes about how to create a timeline online. Yeah. Um, and this one, I, I don't know where I came up with this one or how I came across it, but uh, it just looks like a simple, easy way, intuitive way to kind of create a timeline that doesn't get all wild and crazy. It doesn't have a ton of bells and whistles, I don't think, but um, it's kind of sleek and uh, looks like it'd be pretty user friendly for our students. Yeah, so time toast. I do like this one. Um, this, I mean, you you shared a timeline one recently, didn't you? Yeah. It was like the the Google spreadsheet yes. type one. So, I mean, this one's a little more um, looks more approachable, a little easier yes, to right. to make things up. It's a little less on the the whizzy type of features, yeah, and more right. just yeah. on this is a timeline and they put things in order and it does it really really nicely. The design, I think, is something that jumps out at me. And it looks like it's available across devices as well. Is that right? Yeah. And um, there are public timelines as well. So you can publish your timeline or take a look at other timelines that have been created, which is nice too. Yeah, so maybe you would just use somebody yeah. else's timeline. You don't have to yeah, necessarily create to, one too. Why recreate the timeline? If it's already done, yeah. If it's just already done. Drop right. it into your lesson. That would be a good one to have. <laughs> you bet. Okay, so I am going to round it up with something called the stop motion animator that uh, I learned about from Richard Byrne because um, he created a solution to a question that I kind of get fairly frequently and that is Mm -hmm. um, how do we do stop motion on Chromebooks? And um, I felt like saying I'm not sure how to do stop motion in Chromebooks a lot of the time. I I could show you some great iPad apps that would be great for that, but all our Chromebook teachers are probably sick about hearing of all these great iPad apps that uh, don't work on their Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. So there is a Chrome app called Stop Motion Animator, and it is a simple tool for creating stop motion animation sequences using your webcam. So I thought it could be an interesting option for, for people. It is free. It gets pretty decent reviews i mean one of the things that people would like it to do is you can't like you know take out an individual frame unless you like undo the last capture so if somewhere down the line you realize you're 100 frames in and there's one on frame 50 of your hand that got in the way then i'm sorry you're stuck with it unless you want to undo the last 49 frames but um i think it's a nice option and it would play well with like you know some of these newer chromebooks that will let you you know bend the screen back and you know uh, use it almost like a like an ipad we've got one of those in uh grantwood right now actually it's a new Mm -hmm. one it's called the acer chromebook spin and it has a, a webcam just above the keyboard so that when you flip the screen around the back into that kind of tent shape, yeah. um, the webcam is going to be facing forward and you would have the touch screen. So you would see what the webcam sees on the screen. So mm-hmm. for things like that, I think it's a, a good option. So stop motion animator. Yeah, that's a good one because we do. I think um, I always feel, I don't feel sorry for Chromebook users, but I have some empathy for the fact that I think they feel like they get the short end of the stick a lot. So that's a good fix for um, something that a lot of iPad users get to use. And I think that's going to be a good one for sure. I think every device has its pros and cons. And, you know, sometimes video production is not always the easiest on a Chromebook. But there are ways. Yeah. Well, you got one more in your list. You're not going to let this podcast finish without you sharing your last thing on the list you were so excited about, are you? 
Uh, I guess so. We could talk about this. Um, so <laughs> if you had the ability to see our podcast notes, um, you would notice that I've been taking full use of emojis um, because I, I think I, I knew this was an option, but I'd completely forgotten how to do it. And for some reason, I looked it up today. But um, there is an emoji keyboard on the Mac that you can summon with a keyboard shortcut. Just like uh, on a, on iOS when you change over to the uh, emoji keyboard. So it will just pop up. If you hold down Control, Command, and Space, the emoji keyboard just appears like magic on your screen. <laughs> and you can choose all the flags and food and animals and sports and, and things like that on there. Um, and you can choose one for every line of your um, podcast notes if you want to. You could if you wanted to. You yes. could if you wanted to, right. If you use a Windows 10 device, there is uh, the keyboard, uh, the virtual keyboard you can summon from the uh, toolbar in the bottom right-hand corner, and there's an emoji keyboard on that too if you're feeling left out as a Windows user. But uh, there you go. So emoji keyboards, fun for everyone. Big win for the day. Big win. I mean, we we can't follow that, can we? No. The end. It's over. (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> so if you enjoyed the podcast we uh, always love it if you uh, share it online or with other people we always enjoy reading your feedback uh, either by email podcast at gwaea.org or on twitter i am at jonathan wiley and mindy is at team carney so until next time this has been the EdTech takeout we hope it hit the spot For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast. I forgot to say one of my things I wrote down that I wanted to say during this. What was it? Something like, oh, I I will read it. What is it? I said in my notes here, students um, should use tech when it's needed or appropriate. It's not just for fast finishers. Really wanted to get the fast finishers in there.